this is Andrew Womack, and this is another session in our Healing University. I believe that all of the word that you've heard uh, is already producing healing in your body. And I tell you, I've shared some powerful things, some of the most important things that God has shown me. And I know that all of these other instructors and people that have been sharing with you, you have it's like drinking from a fire hose, just being filled up with all of these truths from God's Word. And what I want to do today is to talk about how important the Word of God is to your healing. And if you've been in the Word of God for very long, you probably know a lot of the things that I'm going to say, but I'm not going to take it for granted. There are a lot of people that come to me in my meetings, and they come requesting prayer. And I ask them, I said, so what scripture are you standing on for your healing? And people will say things like, well, uh, isn't, isn't there a scripture somewhere that says something about by his stripes we were healed? Is that the old covenant? They don't even know where it is. And they think, is that enough? You know, let me use a verse that I've already used in some of my previous teaching, but this is just powerful. In uh, 1 Peter chapter 1 and in verse 23, it says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God that liveth and abideth forever. Here it calls the word of God an incorruptible seed. And did you know the word seed here is the Greek word spora? That's where you talk about, you know, a flower pollinates by putting out these spores, and that's how it propagates. Well, the word spora is a derivative of the word sperma, where we get our English word uh, sperm from. In the same way that a child has to be conceived, the stork doesn't bring a child, you have to conceive a child. You can't just pray for a child, you have to conceive a child. There was only one virgin birth, and you aren't going to be the second one. If you want a child, it's not a matter of just praying, you've got to conceive a child. Now you can pray that if there's something in you that's not functioning, or your uh, husband, and if something isn't right, you can pray and get healed, but you still have to sow a seed. You know, I've prayed with hundreds and hundreds of people that have had children after I've prayed with them. But every time I pray, I say, now look, I believe God has fixed whatever's wrong, but it's not going to be a virgin birth. you got a part to play. You do your part. And those who cooperate, I've got uh, children all over the world that I've prayed for and that have uh, actually you know, been birthed because of that. i got one child in Uganda that is named Andrew Womack. <laughs> it's his first two names, and I forget how you pronounce the last name, but when I when he was little, I'd go there, and every year I'd hold him on my lap, and we'd get a picture together and stuff. So you have to conceive a child. Yes, you can pray, but that's not all. You have to conceive it, and it's the same thing. The Word of God is what causes us to be born again. Now, I'm going to relate all of this to healing, but let me make these points, and if you can understand this and take these truths and then apply it back to healing, it will help you. But there's a lot of people that pray for a person to be born again, and they're saying, oh, God, please save this person. And you think prayer is going to save that person. This scripture doesn't say that you're born again through prayer. Now, again, prayer is important. Prayer will, like, prepare the soil. Prayer will break up the fallow ground. Prayer will put water and fertilizer on it and cause it to grow. But 
Prayer, if there isn't a seed sown, is not going to cause something to grow. And prayer is not going to get a person born again unless the truth of God's Word comes to them. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And then John 17, 17 says, thy Word is truth. You have to have God's Word, that incorruptible seed sown, for a person to be born again. And there are some people that pray for their family members or neighbors or loved ones to be saved. And they're praying, but they wouldn't dare speak the word to them because they might be criticized. Somebody might reject them. You aren't going to have a virgin birth of a person getting saved. The word of God has to be sown. And it's the same thing when it comes to healing. You can't be healed without the seed of God's Word being sown. Now, there's varying degrees of this, and if you don't have very much of the Word, and, you know, uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word. If you don't have very much of the Word, well, then you need to run to somebody else who is strong in the Word, and they're going to have to help you. But the stronger you are in the Word, the less you're going to need to have somebody else help you. Because the Word will produce the results that you need. And going back to this illustration where I ask people, what scripture are you standing on for your healing? And they say, well, doesn't it say someplace in the Bible that by stripes we were healed? You can't tell whether it's the Old Testament, the New Testament, or whatever. But somewhere it says something like that, doesn't it? You know, that's like a woman that just stands close enough to a man and says, is this close enough? You know, I, I, my shoulder's touching his shoulder. Is that enough? No, you're going to have to have more interaction than that to get pregnant. And a person who just says, well, I think the Word says something, that's not intimate enough. The Word isn't living on the inside of you. I guarantee you, when you ever live a Scripture, you'll be able to find it. You'll know where it is. And maybe even if you have a trouble with the address, you'll be able to quote it because that Word has come alive on the inside of you. You've had intercourse with it. There's interaction. But a person that just says, well, doesn't the Bible say something about laying hands on the sick or anointing with oil? I, that's not enough. The Word of God is an incorruptible seed. Did you know that this physical world operates off the principle of seeds? Every plant, every tree, every flower, every animal, every person is a result of seed. Every, all of the life that God created on this planet could not exist without seeds. And in the spiritual realm, there is a comparison that the Word of God is a seed. The Word of God is to healing the way that physical seeds are to this physical world. If you want to produce a crop, plant a seed. If you want a healing, plant the Word in your heart. Let me share these scriptures with you out of uh, Proverbs chapter 4. And it says in verse 20, My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my saying. You know when it says incline your ear, that's not talking about tilting your head. This is talking about tuning your hearing to the Word of God. I could spend an hour talking about this. But whatever you focus your attention upon, I'm not talking about what you have heard at one time. You may be able to still retain some of the knowledge. But if you aren't focused on it, you will become insensitive to it. Whatever you focus your attention upon, 
you become sensitive to. And whatever you fail to focus on, your heart just begins to start being insensitive to it. And the problem has been that we've been focused on other things other than the Word of God. So this says, Attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Focus your hearing so that you can hear and take heed to the Word of God. In verse 21, Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. In the midst of your heart talks about that it's at the very core. It's at the center. It's not over on a peripheral, on a fringe someplace, but that this is your focus. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. The Word of God is health to your flesh. That's just as clear as you can make it. You know, when Satan starts trying to hit me with something, you know what I'll do? I, of course, I do a lot of things. I rebuke it. I start uh, speaking my faith. I take my authority. I do a lot of things that we've already talked about in this healing university. But I guarantee you, one of the things I do is I just start devouring the Word of God. The Word of God is literally health to all of your flesh. You know, we put so much emphasis on diet and exercise. And I'm not saying that you should not do those things. If you eat nothing but junk food, uh, you're going to have problems. So I'm not saying that we ignore those things. But we should emphasize the Word of God. The Word of God is health to all of your flesh and life to them that find it. Look at this in Psalms chapter 34 and verse 12. What man is he that desireth life and, and loveth many days that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips that they speak no guile. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Did you know if this was written today, most Christians would say, who is it that desires a long life and a prosperous life? Well, then eat the right things. Don't eat this. Don't eat that. Exercise. Uh, start doing this. And we promote this book and this diet and things. That's the way that modern uh, Christians are dealing with things. How does the Bible say no, you just keep your tongue from evil. You start seeking God. You seek peace. You pursue it. You know, Proverbs, I believe, chapter 17, verse 22 says, Merry heart does good like a medicine. There are people that are seeking healing and yet they're sad. And anyway, I could preach on all that for a long time. Most people think, well, I can't help what's happening to me. I can't help how you feel. Yes, you can. You are commanded to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. In uh, John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus said, In the world you're going to have tribulations, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. That's a command. John chapter 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. That is a command. Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 49 talks about that because you didn't serve the Lord with joyfulness and gladness of your heart, therefore you are going to have all of this sickness and all of this disease come upon you. I'm telling you, your emotional health is more important than your, than your diet and exercise. Now again, I'm not saying that those aren't factors, but this is just andiology. I believe that maybe a maximum of 20% of your health is dependent upon diet and exercise. 
Honoring your parents is a promise from uh, Exodus chapter 20 that you will live long upon the land. Having a merry heart does good like a medicine. If you have bitterness in your heart, it's a rottenness in your bones. It will affect things. Right here, if you want long life, you seek peace and pursue it. A merry heart does good like a medicine. On and on and on you go with all of these scriptures. I believe that spiritual things and specifically focusing on the Word of God is more important than all of the physical, natural vitamins, supplements, health regimens, and all of these things that people put out. I'm telling you, the Word of God should be your focus. Job said it this way, I desire His Word more than my daily meat. When you get to where you hunger for the Word of God more than you hunger for food, I guarantee you it'll start producing healing in your body. The Word of God is a seed, a supernatural, incorruptible seed. In the natural realm, if you plant seeds, not every one is going to work. I don't know why that is, but just sometimes a seed doesn't always release its power. But the Bible is an incorruptible seed. It never is the problem. These promises about God's Word being health to all of your flesh. Psalms 107 verse 20. He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from all their destructions. God's Word never fails to produce healing. Sometimes we fail to take the Word of God and let it stay on the inside of us. But it's never God's Word that is at fault. Let me share these verses with you out of Mark chapter 4. Man, I've got so much that I'd like to say. I don't think I can get it all into this hour's time. But in Mark chapter 4, there are two, there's three parables given right here. Actually, four parables about the power of the Word of God. And it compares it to a seed. Mark chapter 4 verse 14 says, The sower sows the Word. Even though it was talking about this man throwing seed, he said this seed is representative of the Word. The Word of God is to the kingdom of God the way that physical seeds are to this physical kingdom. And go down to verse 26, and Jesus gave a parable here about a man, and He says uh, in verse 26, So is the kingdom of God as if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up. He knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. But when the corn is brought forth, but when the, excuse me, but when the fruit is brought forth, immediately putteth in the sickle, because the harvest is come. I've got about four or five hours worth of teaching on this. I'm going to say this very quickly. But first of all, he cast seed into the ground. The seed doesn't do anything until it gets in the ground, which the previous parable made that clear that that's the person's heart. You can take this Bible, and there's some people that revere the Bible. I was at a lady's house one time, and she served me some tea, and I set my teacup on top of her family Bible, and she nearly sucked all of the air out of the room, like, oh, I can't believe you placed something on top of the Bible, and I moved it, and you could see the ring where the dust was, where I, you know, disturbed the dust on top of the family Bible. She didn't read it, but oh, she reverenced this book. Well, I reverence the Word of God, but this book is just a physical representation of the spiritual 
reality of God's Word. God's Word existed before it was ever written down by people. And I reverence this. Man, I study the Word of God, but I could tear a page out of this Bible and I haven't affected the Word of God. The Word of God is, is, is a spiritual thing. Jesus said it this way in John 6, 63. He says, it's the Spirit that quickens. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are alive. This is a representation. I believe it's an accurate, perfect representation, but it's still just a representation. And it doesn't do anything until it gets in the ground, until it gets in your heart. You can't just carry this Bible under your arm or lay your Bible on top of somebody's head and they get healed. No, the seed, the truth of God's Word has to go into your heart. So this seed had to be cast into the ground. And then he said he slept and rose night and day. That means you have to leave it there. If you put a seed in the ground and then in the morning go up and dig it up to see if anything's happened and then you rebury it and then the next day you dig it up to see if anything's happened and you do that over and over, that seed will never germinate. I don't completely understand that. I don't know that anybody does, but I do know that you just have to sleep and rise night and day and by faith believe that that seed is going to sprout and do something. That's the way the Word of God is. You can't just take a little truth from God's Word and meditate on it for 20 minutes and then go out and the rest of your day you live in anger and bitterness and everything is completely contrary to what God was speaking to you through the Word. When God says something to you through the Word, you have to take it and hide that in your heart and leave it there and not dig it up or not let somebody else dig it up. You have to stay focused on it. And then it goes on to say that the seed just springs and grows up. He knoweth not how. This is really encouraging to me because you don't have to understand everything. I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. God didn't pick me because of my towering intellect. Amen. But you know what? I'm simple enough that I just know it works. I don't know how it works, but I know it works. And I have sown God's word in my heart night and day for over 50 years. And it has produced miraculous results. I don't have to understand it. You don't have to understand it. You just got to cooperate with it and do it. And then look at this. This is really powerful. In verse 28, For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself. First the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. Boy, this is powerful. I wish I had time to go into more depth on this. I've got a teaching entitled A Sure Foundation, another one entitled uh, Effortless Change that will go into great detail on this. But notice it says the earth brings forth fruit of herself. It didn't say that the seed brings forth fruit of herself. It says the earth does it. We've often, I've heard this saying, somebody will take a little apple seed and say, how many apples are in this seed? And they will say things like, you can count the number of seeds in an apple, but nobody can count the number of apples in a seed. And they say that that little seed has all of these apples in it. That's really not true. This says the earth brings forth fruit of herself. The seed doesn't have an apple in it or an apple tree in it, but somehow... There is something miraculous in that little seed that when you put it in the ground, it activates what's in the ground. 
Now keep this thought. I'm going to come back to this, but I want to just show you that in the book of Genesis, and for time's sake, I'm not going to turn there, but in the book of Genesis, it says that the Lord created the heavens and the earth. There are four different words used for create right there. One of them in Genesis 1.1, He created from nothing. But then the rest of those words means to form or to build. The Lord only created from nothing the heavens and the earth. But then in the earth, think about this. In that dirt, there were giraffes. There were elephants. There were hippos. There were dogs. There were cats. There were birds. In the water, there were whales. There were fish. It was all in that stuff. And it says in Genesis, let the earth bring forth fruit of herself. And all of a sudden these trees and animals came out of the earth. And it's not the same word that he created out of nothing. No, he just spoke his word. There was a seed and that seed entered into the ground and the ground brought forth our physical body. It says in Genesis 1:26, out of the ground, the Lord formed us. Our physical bodies came out of dirt. Matter of fact, you know, the scripture says, dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. These bodies came out of dirt. Animals came out of dirt. Fish came out of the sea. But God's word was the catalyst that when it spoke, it took all of the minerals and the things that were in the dirt and put them together in a way that animals came alive. You know, if you don't believe that, you can take a seed and you can plant it in a desert where are in some place where the soil has been depleted and that seed will not yield. It won't produce or it won't yield its total fruit because the ground is where all of that comes from. When you plant an acorn, that there isn't an oak tree in the acorn. The oak tree is in the ground. But the acorn, somehow or another, activates what's in that ground and the nutrients, the things that are in that ground is what produces the tree. So remember that and now come back to this parable. It says that when the seed is sown that the earth brings forth fruit of herself. And the earth here is talking about your heart. When you got born again, if you missed this, go back to my teaching on spirit, soul, and body that in your spirit you're already complete. You're as perfect as you will ever be in eternity. Your spirit has everything in it. Healing is already in it. By His stripes you were healed, 1 Peter 2.24. In your spirit you have the same power that raised Christ from the dead, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. In your spirit there's already healing. And all you have to do is take this incorruptible seed of God's Word and put it in your heart by meditating on it thinking about it, focusing on it, let that seed stay there and it will start drawing out of your heart, out of the ground, will come this healing power, the wisdom, the knowledge, anything that you need, it comes out of you. In your spirit, you're complete. You've got everything that you could possibly ever need. It's all in your spirit already. You don't need it to come from the outside. It's inside of you, but you do have to activate it. What activates it? The seed. You put that seed in the ground and it says that the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself. Did you know that the phrase of herself is the Greek word automatos? And it's the word we get automatic from or automatically. 
This is saying that the seed, when it's planted, the earth brings forth fruit automatically. Did you know dirt? Again, I don't understand this, but dirt, you just put something in dirt, it's going to start trying to eat that thing, break it down, and, and draw the life out of it and produce something. You can put a fence post in the ground, and if you leave it there, it'll begin to rot. That ground will just start eating it up and it'll decay. You can put a seed in there and it doesn't matter what kind of seed it is. You know, if you want peas, if you plant corn, that ground is going to take that corn seed and it's going to start producing corn. It, it doesn't matter what it is. Whatever you plant is what that ground produces. Whatever you put in your heart in abundance is what's going to grow in your life. Your, your heart just automatically starts producing whatever you focus it on. If you start watching adultery and pornography, you're going to start lusting. Your, your heart's going to start lusting. It's going to start doing evil things. If you start planting in there love and joy and peace, and if you meditate on the Word of God, Isaiah 26 verse 3, the Lord will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him because he trusts in him. If you aren't in perfect peace, it's not because of your hormones. It's not because of any of these things that we use excuses for. It's because your mind isn't stayed upon him. That's tight, but it's right. It's absolutely true. Whatever you plant in there, the earth just brings forth fruit and it makes it come to pass. And notice it says it first causes a blade and then the ear and then the full corn in the ear. There's steps and stages. In Romans chapter 12 verse 2 it says, Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The blade then the ear, and then the full corn in the ear. There's steps and stages. Now this is important to know because there's some people that have a need and they just pray and they want to see that need meant instantly like that and they don't recognize that there's steps and stages. Now there's different ways to receive healings from God. I'm going to relate all this back to healing. There's different ways that you can receive healing. And if you receive a healing from another person through their gift... Well, then that is different, but that is the exception rather than the rule. God never intended us to live off of people that have special anointings on their life and we just follow them around and we uh, are dependent upon them, codependent upon them. That's only a temporary stopgap measure to help us until you can grow on your own. God intended for you to plant the seed in your heart and let that seed conceive and bring forth healing. And in that process, when you're receiving it that way, which is the better way, it's going to take some steps. First the blade, then the ear, and then the full corn in the ear. And if you aren't aware of that, then you're just going to pray. And if you don't have a full manifestation of your healing, many people get discouraged about, well, it didn't work, or it just partially worked. That's like a person that plants a seed and they just see this little sprig come up. And they say, well, I thought I was going to have a whole stalk of corn here. And look, this thing's only that big. Well, it's just beginning. Give it some time. You have to have patience. And it grows. First the blade, and then the ear, and then the full corn in the ear. Many times it's the same thing with your healing. You may not see a complete healing. 
the very first moment. But if you can see any improvements, you ought to say, man, that's the blade. And then here comes the ear, and now the full corn in the ear, and you just give it some time, and you start improving. I actually prayed with a person one time who was in a wheelchair. And I forget now what it was that caused them to be in the wheelchair. But anyway, I prayed with them, and they were having excruciating pain, and that's... I, so I'm not sure what it was, but I think it was arthritis. But they just couldn't get up and around. They were in this wheelchair. I prayed with them over the pain. And I mean instantly the pain lessened. And I said, "What? how is it? Can you rate it on a scale of 1 to 10? And, and she said, well, I, I think it's about 20% gone. And I said, you know what? If you can get it 20% gone in one minute, then in five minutes we ought to have your complete healing. And I just kept praying. And we kept praising God. And I, every once in a while I'd ask, how is it? And she says, 50%. And within a short period of time, I mean, she was up to able, uh, able to get up and walk and do things. Now, see, that's the positive way to respond to it. Some people would say, well, it's a little better, but I still... And you would focus on the 80% that you don't have instead of the 20% that you do have. It helps to understand... That if you just keep the seed in the ground, it's an incorruptible seed. The earth will bring forth fruit of herself, but there are steps and stages. Give it a little bit of time and focus on what you have instead of on what you don't have. Focus on the fact that, praise God, it's better. I can see better than I prayed than before I prayed. My eyesight is improving and you just keep focusing on that. That's important. This is how the seed, the incorruptible seed of God's Word works. Let me turn over here to Matthew chapter 8 and share this passage with you. This is where Jesus was ministering and in verse 5 it says, And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented, and Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, Go, and he goeth. And to another, Come, and he cometh. And to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. In other words, he's saying, Look, I don't need you to come here I don't have to have you touch him or see you do something. I understand authority. When I tell people to do things, they do it because I have authority. I recognize you have authority in your words. And so just speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. And in verse 10, when Jesus heard of it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. This man was a Roman. He wasn't a Jew. He was a centurion. He wasn't even what we would say today in the church. He wasn't a Christian. And yet Jesus said, I have never seen a greater faith than this. What made this man's faith so great? It's because he put the emphasis on the word. You speak a word only and my servant shall be healed. Jesus is saying those who put their faith in the Word, the incorruptible seed, that is the greatest ex exhibition of faith that there is. And let me contrast this centurion's faith with one of Jesus' disciples. Unbelief. 
In John chapter 20, this is after Jesus rose from the dead, He appeared unto the disciples, but Thomas wasn't with them. And so the other disciples told Thomas that Jesus was raised from the dead. In verse 24, John 20, 24, it says, But Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord, but he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. In other words, this is a, this is a common problem. People cannot believe something that they can't see, that they can't touch. They're what the Bible calls carnal. Most people, when you use the word carnal, they think that that's demonic, that's evil, that's a person who is just in total rebellion towards God. But the word carnal just means of the five senses. Or you could say it this way, limited to the five senses. What you can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. If you are controlled only by your five senses, you're carnal. I believe that God created man with six senses. And the sixth sense is faith. Faith is your ability to perceive and see things that you can't see with just your physical eyes. You can't feel it. You can't hear it. You can't touch it. You can't smell it. But it's real. I believe that Adam and Eve had six senses. And they walked by faith. In the New Testament, Paul said, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. Sadly, most people walk by sight and not by faith. And this is a problem. When it comes to healing, people just are so controlled by, I still feel pain. How can I believe that I'm healed? Faith. Faith is the ability. You just, God's Word says, by His stripes you're healed, and you believe that more than you believe what you feel, more than you believe what you hear from the doctor. And so anyway, Thomas said, I'm not going to go beyond my five senses. I'm not going to believe unless I can see it, touch it, feel it. And then in verse 26, And after eight days, again his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then said he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger. And behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. Now Jesus wasn't there when Thomas said these things, but yet he quoted Thomas exactly, showing that he was God, that he knew everything that went on, even though he wasn't there in his glorified physical body. And in verse 28, And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. And look at what Jesus said in verse 29. Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are they which have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus said there was a greater blessing on those who could believe without seeing than those who believed because they saw. Now put that together with the centurion's faith. The centurion said, I don't need to see you, Jesus. I don't need to have you come and touch my servant, you speak the word only. All I need is a word. Jesus marveled. There's only twice in Scripture that Jesus marveled. Once is at this man's great faith, and another time he marveled because of his disciples' unbelief. And Jesus marveled at this man's faith. Why? Because he said he just needed a word. 
the highest form of faith is when you take what the Word of God says about your healing and you believe that more than what the doctor says, more than what somebody who's looking at you says, more than what you feel, more than what you think. You believe the Word of God more than you believe anything else. And there's a lot of people that they just, they, they can't do this. They, I can't deny what I feel. I can't deny what the doctor says. I'm not asking you to deny it. I don't deny that physical problems happen. I have things that I've dealt with. i got something I'm dealing with right now, but I guarantee you it's 99% over with. I've spoken the word. I'm getting better. And I don't deny that I still have a little twinge or something, a, a little pain that I've had. I don't deny that I have it, but I deny that that's all there is. The Word of God is more real to me than what I feel in my body. So I'm not saying that you deny the physical realm. You know, in Romans chapter 4, verse 17, it talks about God calls those things that be not as though they were. Now notice what he didn't say. God did not call the things which were or are as if they were not. Faith isn't denying that you have a problem. But faith is denying that all you feel is all there is. There is a whole spiritual world out there. There are spiritual realities and there are things that are absolutely forever settled in heaven that may not have totally manifested in your body yet, but that Word is true. That Word is what created everything physical, even your body, and that Word will exist long after this physical world is gone and after this physical body is gone and I get a new body. The Word of God is eternal. Again, it says 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are, are temporary or temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. The Word of God is eternal. And it's more real than what you feel in your body. And if you will focus your attention on that and take this incorruptible seed and say, I'm going to be like that centurion in Matthew chapter 8. And I'm going to say, Father, you give me a word only and I will receive. It's enough for me. And we've got millions of words. We've got promises upon promises about God's will for you to be well. That by His stripes you were healed. 1 Peter 2.24 That He wishes above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. 3 John chapter 1, verse 2 He sent His word and healed them and delivered them of all their destruction. Psalms 107, verse 20. Proverbs chapter 4. God's word is health unto all of your flesh and life to them that find it. You've got promise after promise after promise. And we just have to get to where we only believe. Don't be like Thomas that says, well, I don't care what the Bible says. The doctor says this. Here's what I feel in my body. You have to get to where God's Word is more real to you than what anything else says. You know, many years ago, I was sent for a physical. Uh, my board made me go. I, don't, I didn't have insurance at the time. When Obama forced us to have insurance, it actually saved me money to go do that rather than pay the, 
deal. So anyway, I do have some insurance now. But back then, I didn't have any insurance, but my board made me take out an insurance policy in case something happened to me that the, that the ministry wouldn't be left out to dry. So anyway, I went for this physical. And it's a long story. I haven't got time to go into the whole thing, but uh, I got on this treadmill and I started running. And I had witnessed to this doctor about my son being raised from the dead. That happened in 2001, so it may not have been over 20 years ago. But anyways, 2001 around there. And I told him about my son being raised from the dead. And as I went through this test, I was talking to him and this nurse about it. And after the test was over, he got to looking at the printout. And he got to the 12 minute and I think 53 second mark. And he started grunting and making these faces. And then he wrote down a name and a phone number on this piece of paper. And he said, here's a friend of mine. You go straight over there. Don't you go back to your office. You go straight there. He's going to run more tests on you. And we're going to put you in the hospital. And we may do open heart surgery on you before the day is over. So here's a doctor saying something that was not encouraging about open heart surgery. And anyway, it took me just a few seconds, maybe 10 seconds maximum. I was listening to him. But you know what? The Word was so real to me. I mean, I just could not embrace what he was saying because it was contrary to what God had promised me. And I mean, after about 10 seconds or so, I just said, that's a lie. I said, I do not believe this. And this doctor was shocked. I guess he wasn't used to people telling him he's a liar. I'm not saying you should do it the way I did. I'm just telling you this is what happened, whether it was right or wrong. It's what happened. And uh, he says, what do you mean? I said, you look at that and tell me that that says it. And I got mad at him. And I said, you're telling me I've got a serious heart problem. I don't believe it. And this guy started backing up. And he says, well... Uh, you may not have any heart problems. He says everybody's heart's a little bit different and you just had like one hundredth of a point different in one spot. He says you could be perfectly normal, but I think we ought to go get you tested just to make sure. I said, that's not what you told me. You told me I had a serious heart problem and that you might do open heart surgery on me before the day's over. I said, you lied to me and I got in this guy's face. And anyway, he just tore up that piece of paper and says, leave. And he told me to get out. And he flunked me on my test. And I had to go to, I've got a doctor that's on my board. And I went down to Shreveport, Louisiana. And he ran a stress test where they put this dye through you. And he told me, he says, don't ever take one of these treadmill tests as being accurate. He says, they are only 50% accurate. They're wrong as often as they're right. And he did this test, and anyway, after the test, he said, you got the heart of a 17-year-old. So anyway, there was no problem. But my point in relating that to you is, most people, if the doctor just told you that you had something wrong, you would crumble because you elevate and respect the word of a doctor more than you elevate the word of God. It's just the opposite with me. I'm not saying I do it perfectly, but I'm saying I'm moving in that direction. And when somebody tells me something contrary to the word of God, I'm not having it. The Word of God is more real. I believe what God's promises said. And somebody might say, well, you're just dreaming. Well, my dreams are working pretty good. I have seen people raised from the dead. I've seen every kind of miracle. I'm seeing people's lives changed. I'm seeing God provide finances. I'm seeing things work. 
I'm not the perfect example, but I am seeing enough of God's power manifest because of the things I'm sharing with you to know that I am on the right track. And I'm encouraging you that it will work for you. If you get to where you put God's Word to such a degree that you say, God, I don't have to have you know, some goosebump. I don't have to have some visible manifestation. I don't have to have one cat walk this way and two dogs walk that way as a sign that you're healing me. No, you get to where you just say, God, what does your word say? By his stripes you were healed. That's good enough for me. I believe it. And I don't care what my body looks like, feels like. I don't care what the doctor says. I don't care what this says. This is what God's word says. And I believe it. Now you do that, and I guarantee you all hell is going to break loose. If you haven't spent time growing in the things of the Lord, your flesh, your senses are going to go wild like you're absolutely crazy. And there's enough people around you that will confirm that you're absolutely crazy, and you're in for the fight of your life. You will have even well-meaning people. People that aren't mad at you, they love you, but they just think you're delusional. And they will try and talk you out of it. And I tell you what, it's as easy as what I'm saying, but it's one of the hardest things you'll ever do to get to where you let God be true and every man a liar. Romans chapter 3, verse 4. God, what you said is true, and I don't care who says anything else, even if it's myself, if it's my body, if it's my mate, if it's whatever... Your word is true and I believe it and I'm willing to base my life upon it. God's word is absolutely true. That's how important God's word is. It's an incorruptible seed. But it has to be put in the ground. It has to be put in your heart. And it has to be left there. It takes a period of time for this to work. It's not difficult. It's simple. But it's not easy. Because you're going to have everything, even your senses. The way that you've trained yourself for however old you are is going to go completely against this. That you just trust something that was written in a book thousands of years ago and you base your life on that more than what this doctor says, more than what your body feels. And I tell you, the Holy Spirit will help you to believe that. The Holy Spirit will give you this supernatural God kind of faith but He's not going to force it on you. You have to begin the process. You have to reach out and start speaking and taking these truths. If you would take the things that we've shared with you here in this healing university, and I mean, these are some of the most anointed people around, and they have seen miraculous healings, every one of them. Greg Moore had a staph infection, should have been died. His should have been dead. His son has been miraculously healed. They've seen many miraculous healings. Barry Bennett has been miraculously healed. His son uh, was healed. And on and on you could go. This is not theory with us. We believe it. But you know, you might be listening to us and think, well, man, I'm going to do this. And so within the next 30 minutes, you expect total healing. You need to remember that there's first the blade and then the ear and then the full corn in the ear. There's the good the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. You need to give time to let the Word of God work. And if you'll do that, I promise you the Word is an incorruptible seed. It never fails. It has never, ever failed to bring healing to a person. But there's people that fail to plant it in their heart 
And then there's people that fail to leave it in their heart. They let the criticism or the physical circumstances dig that word up and they don't keep believing. Or they get impatient and don't wait until the full corn has come in the ear. But the Word of God has never failed. We fail sometimes to give it the priority and the time that it needs, but the Word of God is incorruptible. I just promise you the Word of God is absolutely essential for your healing. It'll be health to all of your flesh. He sent His Word and healed them. If you will do this, the Word of God will just work and you don't know how it works. Just meditate in it. Just take all of the scriptures on healing and go to reading them every day. Study it and it will just start bringing healing and you won't even know how it happened. You won't even remember when it happened. You'll just wake up someday and say, I don't have the same problem that I used to have. The Word of God is an incorruptible seed that will activate the supernatural that has already been placed on the inside of you through the new birth. And I promise you, if you will follow the things that we're saying right here, and just do this day and night. Joshua 1.8 This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then, when you've meditated in it day and night, then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. You will have healing. So praise God, I commend you to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among the believers. God bless you. I believe that you are healed by His stripes. Amen. <clears throat> so I want to give you one thing that I, that I remember from a couple of years ago when I heard some of these exact teachings from him uh, while I was in Bible school, you know, it hit me like a ton of bricks. How many people like Vidalia onions? Anybody like Vidalia onions? Everybody. Do you know that a Vidalia onion is basically just a yellow onion that has a lower sulfur content? You know that the lower sulfur content comes from being grown in 20 counties in Georgia. So when he's saying that a seed is planted into the ground and that everything that makes that particular Vidalia onion comes from the ground and God himself is able to take that, you know, if you planted it somewhere else and it had a higher sulfur content, guess what you get? A yellow onion, a hotter onion. You know, this is one of the things that we need to understand is that when we plant seed into a good ground, then that is going to produce good fruit. And you are good ground. If you've accepted Jesus Christ, you're a good ground. Oh man, I was expecting more amens come out. I mean, you guys, if you've accepted Jesus, you are a good ground. That means that when you plant the seed of the Word of God in there, it's going to grow. And it's going to produce good fruit. And it's going to produce in your life. And it's going to be something that you're going to be able to carry on. So I, I just wanted to encourage you because, you know, a lot of times we'll sit there and go, oh, well, a seed's a seed. And ground is a ground. But it's not. And the thing is, is that we have to understand that we have to put that seed into our good ground. And we have to let it 
it grow first the year and the full corn and then the year. You know that when we get those stalks that come up and it produces all the fruit that's on it, if it's a tree, an apple tree, whatever it is, it's being produced in your life. So if it's healing, if it's prosperity, if it's if it's peace, those things are because you were putting those seeds in. So you're not going to sit here and listen to something about healing and get peace. You're not going to sit here and get something about prosperity if you're listening to peace. But see, what we have to understand is that when we plant something and we water it, that's the fruit that's going to come of it. That's one of the reasons why I believe it's so important to understand that the compartments of our heart are things that we need to constantly cultivate. We, we need peace. We need joy. We need long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, meekness. Doesn't that sound like the fruits of the Spirit? See, when we were born again, we became a new creature in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.17 The old had passed away, and behold, we became new. And when we became new, that gave us a ground for us to be able to grow out of. So if we're, if we're planting seeds of, we're planting seeds of, of healing, then we need to make sure that we're cultivating that. I think Andrew even said, you need to take those scriptures, you need to meditate on them, you need to see them, you need to get them in front of you. You can just take those scriptures and just look at it. But you know what? In every other area of your life, too, you need to do the exact same thing. If you need peace, you need to be putting in more peace. If you're needing prosperity, you need to be putting in some prosperity. My God supplies all of my needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So, out of that good ground, all the nutrients are already there. All we have to do is put that word in, and then it becomes alive. You know, it's just like Jesus said, talking of himself, that a seed must die and go into the earth before it can produce good fruit. Well, we have to remember that, you ever taken a seed and looked at it? Have you ever ate a seed? See, the seeds we eat, like nuts and things like that, those are not dead seeds. You could put those in the ground all day long, they're not going to grow anything. See, the seed has to be the right thing for the right time and prepared for the right meaning. Sometimes you're going to get a word from God, you're going you're to sit there, and it's not going to plant. Because it, didn't, it wasn't prepared right for you. You know, there's been plenty of times that, and I'll give you an example. I've been tired and I read the Word of God, and guess what? It was as dry as crackers. It wasn't going to produce nothing in my life. But you know what? The thing is, is I knew, okay, Lord, you're going to have to give me some strength here. And I would continue to meditate on it and meditate on it and meditate on it. It's the same thing. If you go out and you get an apple, you go get uh, tomatoes, you go get whatever, do you know that they, they lay it out on the table and they let it they let it dry? They call it curing it. You know that we need to cure the word inside of us as well. So we need to take these seeds, we need to take these things, and we need to let what God has on the inside of us just grow out of it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Anybody got anything else that I have a testimony I have to share. I haven't really shared it before, but bear with me, the tears will come. Okay, so I have, years ago, I had issues with my skin rash. I couldn't get rid of it. 
So I went to a dermatologist. And so this little sweet dermatologist looked at me. She said, that's lupus. And I went, you know, horrible, horrible disease. That's lupus. I'm going to go get a biopsy kit. We're going to take a biopsy. So she walked out the door. I just started crying. I thought, oh, my God. And then he said, yeah. Are you going to believe her? Are you going to believe me? And I thought, you're right. You're right. I don't, I don't receive it. So I believed, and when the results came back, they were negative. Okay? So I went to another dermatologist a few years later. And he looked at me, and he said, you cut lupus. And I looked him square in the eyeball, and I said, I do not. <laughs> he said, well, I'm going to do a biopsy. I said, you can do all the biopsies you want to. It will be negative. You mark my word. Negative. I don't have lupus, never have had, and we'll never have lupus. I don't care what any doctor says. So the word works. Yes. The word works. Yes. Amen. Well, you, you know, that's the thing, though, is that, is that the... The doctor will tell you that you've got something or, or you, you know, because they're looking. You know, what does well, doctors do? They're practicing medicine. <laughs> it's a little bit like this. You know, my son plays lacrosse. I, he goes out and practice throwing the ball, catching the ball with a net. I go out and I do it and I can't catch nothing and I can't throw nothing with that lacrosse thing. <laughs> You know why? Because I don't practice. And that's exactly what they're doing. They're going, well, you look like you might have that. Let's go test it. Oh, you might look like you got that because let's go test it. And see, that's, that's the thing that we have to understand is that, is that God is going to... I, I love Matthew 6.33. Seek you first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. He, he's going to show you those things. He's going to bring about those things. He's going to show you what, what His kingdom says about it. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Well, righteousness is nothing more than our right standing in God, right? It means that when we got saved, we become righteous. We're not having to earn it. We're not having to do anything. But see, the kingdom of God, when He comes along, and I've, I've given this testimony before, and we actually mentioned it last week, but just like Kaylee, you know, we, we sometimes do things to ourselves. We were given her medicine for her acne. She's putting it all over her. She's getting all these stomach issues. And we're praying over the stomach issues and she would get better. Then she would get worse. You know why? Because we kept giving her the same medicine. You know that every time we give ourselves, you know, the, the let's practice medicine, rather than seeking first the kingdom of God. You know, sometimes we just need to seek first and go, Lord, what is it that you want us to do about this? How do you want us to pray about this? See, that's the thing, is that sometimes we're praying, Lord, take this from me, and the Lord's going, I can't take something you're doing to yourself. I mean, I, I hate to say it that way, but if you're... If you're sitting there doing something that you know you're not supposed to be doing, or maybe you don't even know, you need to be seeking first the kingdom because there's something that's going on. So I, I just say that that's a word for you to take and go with because the kingdom of God is going to show you what to go do next. Amen. I think your first response to things is sometimes one of the most important. When you have renewed your mind to the word, with when an opportunity comes to you to have a bad report, 
and you respond immediately with the word, then that opportunity just gets repelled off and, and it, that's as far as it ever goes. But when the opportunity comes, if your mind is not renewed to your identity that you are health, then sometimes you walk begin to identify with that and you grab onto it and then your battle changes. Because then you, you're trying to have, you're having to repel something that now you've grabbed onto. So I think that's why he was talking about the power of the word. I think the word implanted in our hearts and our belief systems is so powerful because it's what prepares us for when that negative opportunity comes that our immediate reaction is to reject it and to declare life to whatever the situation is. And then it ended in that moment. And I like with what mom said, I think it ended in the moment because she didn't say, oh, I do? Oh, I've got this? And then, you know, we go forward like that. And I've had that happen to myself. When I tried to, someone tried to give a negative report about my health, my first, um, I was actually through a phone call from a doctor telling me that a scan had come in and that, that they saw spots. And the, I just sensed the Holy Spirit tell me what you say right now is it matters. And and I actually didn't say anything because I was so overwhelmed in the moment I didn't know what to say. So I just let the doctor talk. And at the end, I had been silent the whole time. And she said. Are you okay? I said, I'm fine. Thank you for your information. And I specifically said your information because that wasn't my information. That wasn't God's information. That was her information. And then I went out and from that very moment, I said, I don't receive that report and that's not me. That's right. And then it, the situation changed. But I really believe that the moment that that opportunity comes, that we can just grab the bull by the horns and handle it right then instead of letting it turn into something else. And we've all let it turn into something else before in some kind of area, not to say that, you know, that makes us a, you know, to have any condemnation over that, but let's grow to the area by implanting the word that we don't ever receive those. Those are just opportunities just in the bad direction. Absolutely. Yeah. So do y'all know how they they uh, they teach counterfeiters to know if it's a counterfeit bill or not? They show them the real thing. They That's give right. them the real thing and they also give them the fake. They can spot every single thing. So if you know what the real thing feels like. Yeah. See, that's one of the things when somebody says something that goes the opposite of what you know is the real thing, the word. See, the thing is, is that you'll know that counterfeit the moment they put it, the moment they try to hand it to you and say, no, thank you. Mm -hmm. yeah. Amen. Anybody else? That was good. I, I still remember Heather was crying and she was also speaking the word. It was I mean, she was she was mad and you know just giving the word, buddy. I was I still remember that day. You know what? We were praising God because we knew that it was that it was truth and life that the word was right, and not what the doctor said. And sure enough, it was. Amen. Amen. But there's nothing else. I'm going to pray us out and we can be on our way. Father, we come to you in Christ Jesus' name. I just pray over each and every person in here. I thank you, Father, that the Word of God is true and it's light, it is light and life, and that it is a seed that is planted in us, Father. And I thank you, dear Lord, out of the good ground that are the people that are listening to, that healing is going to grow from us, that peace is going to grow that prosperity is going to grow. And Father, I thank you, dear Lord, that there is goodness coming to each and every person that's putting this word, that they're just going to see this manifest, that they're going to know a counterfeit because they know what the real thing is. They know what the Holy Spirit says. 
that they know your voice and that they will follow no other, just like uh, John chapter 10, verses uh, 3 through 6. Father, I thank you that you are showing us, each and every one of us, who we are in Christ Jesus, and you're showing us that healing is a part of who we are. Father, we thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.